that, and in my view, crypto is not property. Um, and so I, am, I actually think that the tax department is entirely taxing cryptocurrency wrong. I'm George Mark Hoskin. Welcome to the Positive Property Show. Our mission is to empower 10,000 people to create financial freedom through property using the Mark Hoskin method. Join us. Hello, Welcome. everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm back. You're never here. So, well, I was I wasn't, and here I am now. So lots to talk about tonight. Lots of talk about. So the question um, I was asking the group today, and I was asking, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, I love that question. It's really great to, to see where you're at now and think at how much you've learned and look back and say, what advice would you give yourself? Before we jump into that, uh, for those of you who are watching the replay, uh, if you would like to type in hashtag replay, that gives us a bit of a gauge of who's joined us live on the session tonight and who's caught up on the replay. Exactly. That's right. Because um, we're watching. And if you're on the podcast, just come to the group and say hello. <laughs> come over to Facebook. Get off the podcast. No, you can stay on the podcast. Right, stay on the podcast because <laughs> that way you've got George in your pocket everywhere you go. Love it. Fantastic. Now, so what would you ask your 20-year-old self, George, if you could um, go back well, and do that? I'm going to be sharing my screen and show you what people have said. And guys, Okay. We, we did a bit of an ask the audience, did we? Yep. And if you want these, tell me what you'd say, and I'm going to tell you my answer afterwards. So let's go. I think I'd probably tell myself to relax a little bit more. <laughs> I was a pretty stressed out 20-year-old. So if you look at if you look at the screen here, oh there you go, look at that. Okay. So Fantastic. Peter, Peter says invest in property, wouldn't be putting up with the SHIT at work I'm now. Mm-hmm. Brendan, invest in property. Tim Allen, buy way more property and buy Apple shares. Yes. <laughs> so Peter, yeah. actually, I'm still in my early 20s, but the thing I keep telling myself, buy investment as soon as possible. Dave Dove, stay focused on your goals. Don't let the small things hold you back. And look, Dave Dove's one of our men, members, and Dave is actually and his wife. They're going to be retiring next year, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Name, don't listen to your father's your father's financial advice. Yes. Hi, <laughs> right, George. I don't need anyone's approval except myself the way I am. I'm not associated with people who do not see my worth and finding positive property in my 20s and not 40s. Beautiful. Thank you, Kathy. Right. I think Kathy's online. Hello, Kathy. Craig. Be independent. Independent meaning free from grids, pumps, service charges to properties. There you go. Start lasering my hamstrings. There you go. Um, I don't know what that means, but do not expect life to be as easy as it is. And I wrote, join me tonight and I'll tell you. So, guys, if you want to um, tell us what you what we tell you 20 or something, I'm very, very curious. Look, there's a lot of good advice there, but the main takeaway I'm getting is that everyone wishes they had invested in property sooner. Yeah. So when, when I was in my 20s, I was supposed to go to university. Mm. And because my parents drummed it into me from a young age, you have to go to uni, you've got to become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that or a scientist. And I actually loved science. Science I just love. And what I, what I loved is I wanted to be a scientist. So I waited to get into uni. I got my letter. I got accepted, which was great. And during my holidays. Got a bit of a dodgy connection there. Let's hope George comes back online. I don't know if I'm coming through and you're still receiving me, but our our internet has been a little bit choppy here. George and Christine are looking well relaxed and tanned. Well, maybe George is looking tanned. I don't know about myself. These lights aren't really doing me any justice. (laughs) So hopefully I'm still coming through. I know George looks like he's pretty frozen there. And we're back to just me. Welcome to the Christina Markowski Show. For those of you who don't already know me, I'm Christina Markowski. And welcome back, George. Hey, Christina, you look as beautiful as ever, by the way. Thank you. Right. So in my early 20s, I'm going to start again. I love science. I got into uni after doing matric and I was waiting to get into uni. While I was waiting for those few months, I actually decided to get a job selling teddy bears. I sold this guy a teddy bear and then he came up, he was sort of came up to me and I'm like, sorry, mate, you already bought the teddy bear. He goes, no, no, I want to offer you a job. I said, I'm not interested. I'm going to go to uni. 
He offered me a job as an art dealer, $2,000 a week. And I was 18. Wow, that would have and seemed pretty like, attractive. Yeah, so I'm thinking, you know what? Stuff uni, I'll do this for a year, and then I'll go back to uni. But also... Yeah. So you I wanted to have a bit of a gap year, right? I wanted the gap year to make some cash. That way right. I, can, I just imagine myself cruising to uni with a nice car, nice yep. threads, rocking up instead of, you know, the way I was at the time with a car that was a clapped out car and nothing else. Instead now, of catching a bus. <laughs> but also, I mean, I've always was interested in business. Even though studying, I love studying, but the idea of working in a company at a desk and all that, it's a yes. big... You know, I thought, wow, that's going to be 40 years of my life. But I thought, you know, that's the way it is. You know, I'll find a science job. I'll be working in some office doing some science and then, you know, get married and cruise around. Anyway, so I got off of this job. I come home and said, hey, I got this off this job. I might do this. My father, he went nuts. Wow. He wasn't happy at all. And that would said, have been pretty tough to handle. Well, he said, look, he goes, if you think that, you know, go and get a good job, and being, because I always talk about being in business. And I talked about thinking you're rich. I read that book and I was into that sort of stuff. Right. He goes, forget all this thinking you're rich stuff and all this other stuff that you're doing. You need to go to uni and get a job, you know, get a job in a bank, get a job as a, you know, as a lawyer or a doctor and just right. do that. And then you'll have security. Because he grew up in World War II. Which so he's very, very old school thinking by the sounds very of that old school. reality. He, he was so against it. He didn't like my positive thinking on me going outside <laughs> the norm. The wow, didn't even like positive thinking. No, didn't like it. He just said that's stupid. That's well, pretty fun. Yeah, because I was saying, look, you think positive because positive thinking does nothing for you. I go, sure it does. I'm going to think positive. I'm going to create the life that I want. I'm going to be successful. Absolutely. And he goes, oh, no, you're not. You're not. You can't do it by thinking positive. You've got to work hard, get a good job, and just work really, really hard. He can bring out a new book. It's called Think Negative, Get No Results. <laughs> anyway, so I know where it came from. It came from caring about me and scared of the outside world, but also getting drummed into him. That's the way to do it. And he wanted me to do better than him. He said, you don't want a job like me because he was working at Holden's. Yeah. Yep, so he, he was working home. in a factory. So for oh, those of you who don't know, Adelaide had a big Holden's factory where they yeah. made all the cars and that supported a lot of the blue-collar workers, majority of them actually. Absolutely. My father worked there as well and it shut down pretty much overnight and most of the people um, were just left without a job, bang, overnight. Exactly, exactly. So the fact of it is I wasn't planning on working in the factory anyway. <laughs> I already started a few little businesses, side hustles while I was at, um, what do you call it, um, while I was in primary school and high school. So I, I had a bit of experience. I mean, I used to negotiate for the family, get us good deals. So I was already into it. Anyway, it got to the point where every time we'd have dinner, he'd go, you're a loser. You're going to be a loser if you don't go to uni. And I was wow. So luckily, with this job opportunity, I got to move to Sydney. And I tell you what, leaving home, even though it was scary. Mm. Because imagine being 18, moving to Sydney, where you're looking around with big buildings and, you know, I heard people get stabbed and shot and I was so scared. You know what I mean? It would be very scary, but at the same time, you're getting out of that negative environment and you're getting into a new environment, being surrounded with different people and you're going to be working in the industry where everyone's sort of got the same goal as you. Totally. But the thing is, you cannot become an adult by living at home. No. Getting out of home and learning to pay bills and all that, even though it's hard, get you out of comfort zone is the best thing. So if I spoke to my 20-year-old self, my 18-year-old self, I would have said, look, stick to your guns, think positive, get out of your comfort zone and just make it happen. And I was very fortunate that I did that anyway. You know what I mean? Because I could have got beaten down by everyone saying, you know, go to uni, do what's safe, do what's safe. But you know what? Instead, I did what I loved, did what I wanted to do, wanted to get out of my comfort zone, wanted to, you know, you know, doing uh, working for an art gallery was amazing. It was so much fun and I made good money. So I came back three years later and I made a lot of money. Back to so, Adelaide from Sydney? Yes. Flew back to Adelaide. I had all the most expensive clothes. I uh, bought myself a, a Jag, an old Jag, and I was doing quite well. 
for a for a nineteen yeah. for twenty. Because you didn't go to uni. You yeah. went. So I was a twenty year old making you know one or two grand a week back in the nineties, early nineties, and my friends at uni were like eating back beans. And nothing wrong with that because they ended up getting good jobs. But yeah. I just did the fast track, and it was amazing. And um, so I think at the end of the day, if I talk to my old, old self, I would say, hey, have the courage to do what your heart desires. Have the courage to follow your heart. And don't worry about what people say because you only live one life. That's right. And what I'm doing, I'm not, I'm not just saying that about me. I'm saying that to everyone listening right now. So you might be thinking I'm talking about me, but I'm also talking about you. That doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50. It's never too late. But I'm saying, look, have the courage to do what you love. Have the courage to invest in property. Have the courage to ask that person that, you, that you're interested in asking out on a date. I mean, I asked you out and you said no. <laughs> That's right. No? Act like you're not going to fail and then think about what you really want to do. Yeah. And me moving to Sydney gave me extraordinary confidence and it made me bulletproof. And getting out of your comfort zone is great. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to look back and go, oh, I'm so glad I played it safe. There's no well, you're way. You're going to regret the things that you don't do, not the things that you do. Totally. And you won't have that, oh, what if I had done this, this or that, when you're there. You can look back and go, I did it. Right. You know? even if you, even I if had the courage. courage. That's right. See, the problem is school teaches you to be safe. Yes. They teach you to follow the rules and be safe. Now, you don't learn. You know, even though you go to school to learn, you're not really learning. All you're doing is parroting. Mm-hmm. You know when you learn? You learn when you make mistakes. But at school, when you make a mistake, you're in trouble. See, That's I'd love to start a new school where every time you make a mistake, we give you a reward and pat you on the back and go, well done. Seriously. <laughs> that wouldn't be the real world, though, George. Well, it is the real world. It is the real world because you think you about it. You don't get this. a reward, though, but you get the learnings for every time you make a mistake. You get rewarded. You can build you on that knowledge that you learn. Yes. Yeah, so I wasn't an expert investor when I started. <laughs> Surprise. I okay. I wasn't um, excellent at business. Well, you were a pioneer, essentially. You had to, yes. you know, find the path. You had to get out there with your machete, cut through all the weeds, all the overgrown path, and and clear that path so that everyone else behind you could have a clear path and a shortcut. That's right. But what I did is once I started my journey, I found people that had success, but I found people that had the lifestyle that I wanted. See, I didn't want to go, you know, I went went to his financial plan. I went to his office, and the guy's wearing a three-piece suit right, working in office 80 hours a week. How is he going to teach about financial freedom? That's a bit like asking someone overweight and unfit to teach how to be fit and, and underweight and fit and look good. You know, you can't do it. So I ended up on a, on, a, on a quest and there was a guy called Nick from Melbourne and he was living in Florida, wasn't working. He had a house in Florida. He had one in Morocco one in Melbourne, right? And the guy cruised around having a ball. Is this the guy that drunk the apple martinis? Yes, yes. And he, he was one. drinking apple martinis most days of the week. He was in shorts. So that's the lifestyle you want to have, if yes. you like that sort of thing. <laughs> so, so what I did is I followed him and came to, went to Florida to meet up with him because I wanted to learn from someone that had the lifestyle that I wanted. I didn't want to learn from someone that's sitting behind a desk in a suit. I wanted to learn someone that had a lifestyle. But also, you don't want to learn from someone who's working all these long hours because you want to have, you know, a pretty cruisy life. Yeah, well, if someone if someone's working long hours, all they can do is teach how to work long hours. That's right. Because if they could not work long hours, they wouldn't be doing it. They've got to lead by example. That's right. And look, that's part of the reason I don't feel a need to wear a three-piece suit or have an office or anything like that. I don't have that urge, you know, because I, I, I had a PR company a while ago, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, George, you can't show everyone what you do on Facebook. You're always in shorts and you're top off on the beach. You've got to put a suit on and look professional and you've got to do this, do that. And I'm thinking, no, I don't. <laughs> Why? It's just not you, though. So that not wouldn't me. be authentic, right? Not me. I mean, at all. Why would I do that? At the end of the day, I am You have to be you. Exactly, exactly. You have to be you. And I think the beauty of it is, in this day and age of the internet, you can create a business around your authentic self and attract your authentic tribe, and it's really good. 
Oh, 100%. And see, that's where I'm going to segue onto my next topic. Financial bulletproofing? No, that's next. Ah, uh, that, that's we, the next topic. We've got a tax lawyer coming on later, financial bulletproofing. I'm going to teach everyone how to how to deflect right. bullets. So you're going to be like right. Superman by the end of this session. Right, let me give you the stats, okay, in case you feel despondent. The average age of a millionaire is 57. Okay. The average age of a US president is 55. The average age of a CEO is 54. So if you're 20s, 30s, and 40s, and you think you haven't got it all figured out, it's okay. Great. Your time doesn't matter, right? And that's the beauty of it. Now, there's been a lot going on about this Russian-Ukraine war. Yeah, what's the latest? I've sort of um, switched off to all I, of it. I want to tell you my take on it because I wanted to sort of, you know, because with social media, so much goes on, right? And there's all these people saying, you know, we should ban Russians from flying to Australia and doing this and doing that. And look, see, in World War II, people started calling sauerkraut victory cabbage, right, and referring to hamburgers as liberty steaks because they wanted to get away from that. They associated country. with the country it came from, yes, right? Yes, that's right, Germany, right? But yeah, see, yeah. the reality is only 9% of Germans actually joined the Nazi party. Yeah, that's not a lot. The rest of Germany hated the situation as much as the rest of the world. Of course. And the reality is 99.9%, of Australians have got no way of influencing our government, mm -hmm. right? Um, also, 99% of Russians and Ukrainians have got no control over what their government does either. Of course not. Right? So, 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 that's not good. so I'm not going to go hate on a population just because their government does something stupid. It's not the people, it's the government. That's right. But see, when the media is inflaming your hatred, the more you hate, the less you start thinking and the easier to control. Absolutely. Right, so what I want to do is I want to feel, you know, I want to send love to every human harmed by the war, including the Ukrainians, the Russians, everyone else in Europe, Australia, all the way over the world because everyone's getting affected by it. Well, it's not a nice thing to happen at all. So. It's terrible. It's bad, it's bad for everyone. No one wins out of it. And the point is I don't think that the Russian people, the Ukraine people can control Well, the people supplying the weapons win. Yeah. So... Got to think about that. Yeah. So, so, um, so there's going to be these sanctions could trigger global market events. Absolutely. And I was recently um, interviewed through with uh, Martin North on his podcast, and we were talking about what's going to happen to property. He was asking me. Martin and, North, where's he from, George? A little bit of background on Martin. Um, I was on his YouTube channel recently. I'm going right. to Google and find out. I've been there a few times. He uh, talks about property, stocks, and finance. So he must be a bit of a public um, figure. Yes. Martin North Future, here we go, came up. Okay, so he knows about property, stocks. That's right, exactly. So he sounds like he's a bit of a, in the finance uh, sector. That's right, that's right. And he was asking me about what's going to happen about. Um, so Martin interviewed you? Yes. Okay, great. There you go. Anyway, you gave your two cents on Yeah, I gave my two cents because what happened was, I don't know if you remember, about eight days ago, about uh, two weeks ago, I predicted oil was going to go, petrol was going to go to $3 a litre. Yep. You picked and, it. And two days later, what did it do? It hit $3 it a almost litre. almost like you got a crystal ball. I look, I caught the way I see it and, you know, I'm generally within the trend. Sometimes you can't nail it, but the $3 mark hit it on the spot here in Adelaide. We had three dollars a litre petrol. It's gone down again now, luckily. Right. So it hit a bit of a peak and then tapered off, did it? Yeah, that's right. So the initial sanctions, everyone went a bit nuts, and then things are becoming normal again. Okay. What did you and Martin discuss then on the well, show? Well, he, he was asking me about what property markets could go up, which was going to go down. Mm -hmm. And I suggested, I suggested that maybe Melbourne and Sydney have hit their peak. Yes. And they're probably going to have a bit of a correction this year. Right. So if you've got properties in Melbourne or Sydney, be warned, there's going to be a slight correction. I would be thinking particularly apartments in those states. Well, for a bit of a correction. They already have had a correction. 
Yeah. A big correction. They've been correcting for a while. Yeah. <laughs> what? <It's> still going. <laughs> They've been correcting for a while, but um, there's some good news if you've got apartments in Sydney Mill. And the okay. good news is that we've got a shortfall of dwellings which are going to be caused by net overseas migration. Yes, so the borders opened up now and we've got um, overseas migration happening. Yep. So what's going to happen is we're going to end up with about 235 to 250,000 people per year coming to Australia. Yeah, wow. And they're going to need somewhere to live. Yes, but, um, well, not all of them. Well, they're going to live in tents. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they're going to be living on Christmas Island. No, I'm joking. That is a terrible joke. Some people get caught there, unfortunately. But no, what happens is out of, out of every three people that move to Australia... You need one, one house. One dwelling, that's right. One yeah, dwelling. because kids can't buy their own house. They're under 18. No, no, they can't. They can't. Unless they join our program with their parents. Yes. We do have some very young investors on our program, I must say. Yep. So over the next 40 years... They expect us to gain 13.1 million people. Wow, that is massive. But they reckon our population is going to be 38.8 million. Yeah, well, Australia does need population growth. Like, hasn't our population been sort of going steady or if not declining? Um, yes, our internal has been declining. Now, this is the deal. You know what that means? That means the next 40 years we're going to add a Sydney, a Melbourne and a Brisbane. Bring it on. Is that amazing? Hoping Adelaide can finally catch up. <laughs> oh, you never know. We'll see what happens with this Please, election. government, get your shit together. <laughs> no, I actually, I love the traffic situation we've got. I like that, you know, we haven't got a lot happening here, so there's not a lot of cars on the road. <laughs> no, but also where we live, there's no parking, so no one's here ever. That's true. So the vacancy data for January has come down, and our vacancy rate in Australia even though we have no migration, has gone down to a 16-year low. Wow. Right? So we're just packed to the rafters. The fact of it is we just don't have enough properties at all. We need more properties. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So the deal is a lot of people are scared from the Russian-Ukraine war and a lot of people are going, oh, no, property. And this happened during COVID, remember? Yes, yeah, so same during COVID thing. And during... Every time something happens, everyone's like, oh, my God. Same thing, different it. day. <laughs> That's right. And the thing is, Christina, how many times have we seen this? Mm -hmm. Right? We've seen so everyone holds back from putting their properties on the market. Or buying properties. It's a massive rebound effect. Yes, but people are too scared to buy, and they've always got an excuse, oh, no, COVID, oh, no, Russian-Ukraine war. Next thing, we global There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something in the news trying to yeah. scare you. That's right. Well, the news, they say. How do you, you know, think they sell the newspapers? How do they get people addicted to watching the news and all this negative stuff coming out? It doesn't matter. It's going to keep happening. Yeah. And the fact Meanwhile, that. Meanwhile, you could actually be making money out of your investment properties. Hello. Yeah. And what what's happening? I get this all the time. People go, oh, do I wait to get into the property market? And, you know, this is the answer to that. No, you buy property, then you wait. Then you wait. That's yes, exactly right. Why many people got it wrong? So, so many people, what they think is let's wait and then get into property. But see, while you're waiting, how much money are you making out of property? Zero. Zero. So you but buy meanwhile, property. you're actually losing money if you've got money sitting in the bank because interest rates keep going down, property prices keep going up. You're not even keeping up with inflation. That's right. So the fact of it is they got it all wrong. People that think they can wait and get into property, they've got it completely wrong and they've got to turn it around. It's a lesson they maybe need to learn. If yeah, but you know what? What a better You're idea is. back and telling their 20-year-old self or their 30-year-old self, should have brought more property. That's exactly what will be happening. Well, you saw those comments in our Facebook and most people said, should have bought more property. And I, I say to my 20-year-old self, buy more property. Get in there and buy it. If I had a time machine... That'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what's happening, right? So um, consumer confidence has gone down. Yes. Well, that's not surprising. Business confidence has gone up. Yep. 
Now, I don't know if I mentioned this last time about trade balance. I think you touched on it, but say what you're going to say anyway. We are very positive, looking good. We're kicking ass. Cool. Yeah. Trade balance is a positive thing. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Exactly. Now, last 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 week we spoke about the fuel and everything. This week we're talking more about you know other stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. So, asset protection. What we've been waiting for. How to bulletproof your assets. That's right. Look, there's no point in building an empire unless you're going to protect it properly. You need That's to protect right. your empire. Now, this is the deal, though. When you do asset protection, you've got to get it right. Yes. This is the one thing you can't muck around and do it half-assed. There's companies on the internet in Australia charging a lot of money to do asset protection, but they're missing two vital steps. I've looked at their program because a, a few of our members actually emailed me through. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to mention the company name, whatever, but they emailed me through. It's $10,200 to do this program. Wow. And, and look, that's okay if you're covered. If, it, comes if it, right, it does everything you need, absolutely. Yeah, the price is okay, but... If it price to pay for protecting, you know, $10 million worth of assets. Or whatever, but you know what, especially when you can use it for the rest of your life. Exactly. But if it doesn't work, what is it worth? Zero. 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 So even if you pay $10 for it, it's actually not worth it. Yeah. So if you're going to buy an umbrella to keep you, you know, rainproof, You've got a better umbrella without holes in it. Even if an umbrella, if an umbrella's got nothing, no cover on it and doesn't cover you at all, it doesn't matter what price you pay for it. I'm just picturing an umbrella now with just the wires coming yes. down. And, that, and that's what most asset protection is, an umbrella of just the wires. And that's, that's, not, that's not real protection. No. Well, actually, it gives you this. It's really worse than not being protected because if you think you're protected and you're not. Yes, you might not realise that's a lot worse than knowing you're not protected. If yes. you're not on. Yes. Yeah. So and so people have gone on this program, thought they were protected, cruising around, being cocky, and guess what happened? They lost everything. Oh my god. They wow. lost everything. That's yeah. even worse because they thought they had the asset protection that they needed for their yes. which, which which actually um, actually, because of that protection, they did certain things they wouldn't have done otherwise. Right. So it so made them take a few more risks. and. That's right. Right, right. So okay. That's why that's pretty um, dangerous. Yeah. Very dangerous. So, you know, you've got to get it right. And the problem is, you know, you've got an accountant, you've got um, a lawyer, you've got a tax specialist, and getting all communicating and doing the same thing and getting everything right is very difficult because... Yeah, getting them all on the same page. But not only that, because you've got two things. You've got asset protection, you've got tax. Yes. Two separate strategies, right? And then you've got the ease of use of what's happening. Um, so what, what happens is if everyone's on a different page, then one the account's going to go, well, we didn't do this for tax. But then the tax. I was going to say, and some people have got their own agenda. Like one of those professionals might go, have their own ideas and go, "Well, you should be doing it all this way." But then you might have like the accountant who is doing the opposite to whatever you know, your tax lawyer is doing, and they've both got their own ideas, and they both might be great. But you need to do what's best for your specific situation. That's right, exactly. And the thing is, there are certain ways of doing things that work. And what I like to do is I like to model what works. Yeah. Hello. Like Try to test it for like a reason. Like property. So what I do is I know this footballer who got asset protection. Mm-hmm. And then he went around buying all these businesses. Went nuts. And a lot of footballers do that because they've got so much cash. Right. And then his business went broke because he didn't know what he was doing. He was good at football, lots of cash. So Not so then, good at business. He should have stuck uh, to football. Anyway, he went bankrupt. But luckily, he protected his house, which was worth like $3 million, his cars, all the assets. And guess what? They couldn't touch anything. So he had an asset protection that actually worked. Yes. He did it right. right. He did the final two steps. Because Thankfully. What, 
So what people do is they get the trusts and get all this other stuff happening. But there's a lot of finer details when it comes to these things. And there's got to be some transactions and some other, other things that you need done to make sure they work. Because a contract is not valid unless there's some consideration paid. Right. Right. So something needs to transfer. So you can write a contract and say, okay, I'm going to asset protect this property I've got, set up a vesting trust or a blood drawn trust or a testament trust, one of those three. But yes. then nothing changes hands. And then you go to court and they go, okay, um, where's the evidence that you actually did this? It was real. You're like, well, I've got the trust deed. They're like, well, that doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. because nothing's happened. So you need right. proof. Right. Sounds pretty complicated. I'm hoping Adrian can sort of shed some light because I have a lot of members asking about bloodline trusts and all those sorts of things. So we can get some good answers to those questions tonight. That would be amazing. Well, what I'm doing is we're putting Adrian and I and the accountant, Mike, we're putting together a very tight asset protection system. Fantastic. For our members so they can just go in and do it all and be done. Yep, and be protected, protect their empire. Be protected. Then what we do is just review it every time they get more assets and just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And we're going to have the checklist to make sure we go through it, get someone to review it after it's done and make sure it um, fulfills all the requirements and everything else like that, and then everyone's contracted. Make sure it ticks all the boxes. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. What are you drinking, George? Someone said, What are you drinking, George? You need to read this. You need to read this. Like he's drinking anything at the moment. He's not even holding a cup. I was drinking a coffee before. Oh, you are. You're drinking some sort of water. Um, no, no. It's pure blonde. Okay. Drink. I'm wrong. It was an apple cider. <laughs> pure blonde or organic cider. That's what I'm drinking. Uh, if you can read the other questions that we've got anyway. Sounds curious. good. I've got a car to protect. Good on you. You, you can read those because I'm going to. Just make sure. Uh, someone's asking about Perth. Yeah, what are they asking? Is it in Perth? Is this in Perth? I'm guessing back when we were talking about um, where's going to boom, you are talking about how uh, Melbourne and Sydney are at the peak. Uh, Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide. But the thing is, with, with Australian cities, right, the one thing is you can have one suburb that's in the dumps and next door suburb that's booming because of the demand supply ratio. So yeah. you've got to really, and I was saying this for Martin North the other day, you've really got to pay attention and make sure you get it right. I don't know if I announced that I'm doing um, a new show on Channel 10. Build to buy. Buy to build. Buy to build. I was close. <laughs> yeah. So, Congratulations, George. Fantastic. When when are you starring on Channel 10 in this show? Um, we're just finalised negotiations. Awesome. So I reckon um, we'll be starting filming next few weeks, which will be great. Very exciting. Are you flying to Sydney for that? Flying to Melbourne, actually. Oh, Melbourne. Yes. So while I'm there, I'm going to catch up with all our Melbourne members. Awesome. I think we're having a bit of a catch-up in Adelaide fairly soon as well. We are. Cool, cool. Well, we'll keep you posted for that one. Well, that's in our private group. Yeah, that's why I said we'll keep you posted. Exactly, exactly. Um, so um, our members are catching up with us. We're going to hang out, have some food, some drinks and stuff like that. It's going to be fun. That's right. Awesome. So we've got our private shirt happening very soon. Was Adrian going to join us at all for the Facebook Live session? I thought he was. Um, I'll see what happens. We're going to have a bit of a chat and see what we do and we'll find out what's happening. We'd like to get him on, even if it's just for, you know, 10 minutes or so, just to, to introduce himself, um, say what he's all about and, yeah, see what's happening. Okay, well, I'll send him a text now. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Um, who's excited about this asset protection, guys? Just type in the chat, let us know. Put hashtag protect my empire if you're interested, if you want to know more information because I get asked a lot of questions about this sort of stuff. Um, everyone wants to know, should they be buying a property in their personal name? Should they be buying in a trust? Should they be buying in a bloodline trust because you've got kids? I mean, there's so many nuances to all of this when you start to, to pull back the curtain and really discover what it's all about. 
Exactly, exactly. Um, look, I think at the end of the day, like you said, if you're building it by, you need to protect yourself. It's very important. 100%. I mean, you look at what's happening now with those Russian oligarchs. Yeah, what happened? Tell us. Well, okay, so what's happening is part of the sanctions is all these Russian oligarchs, all these billionaires, um, the West has taken their um, yachts and all their possessions and things like that. So what a lot of them are doing now, like, for example, Ambrovich, right? Abravich is a Russian citizen, but he's also got citizenship in Portugal and also in Israel. So okay. what he's done, he's got several citizenships to keep himself safe in case one country decides to shut down his passport. Then what a lot of these Ogliaks have done is they've moved their yachts to the Maldives, which, which has got no extradition treaty with US. So that way they can keep them there and no one can take it off them. I mean, some of these yachts are worth like $900 million and they cost $180 million a year just to maintain. Yeah, wow. That's insane. Exactly. So we've got a lot of people looking forward to hearing more about, you know, how to protect their empire, how to protect their assets. Absolutely. So really excited for this. Well, look, the deal is it's very expensive to do, to do because you've got to pay a lawyer you know, three fifty, four fifty an hour to sit there, go through it, then negotiate with your tax, um, with your um, accountant and everything else like that. So why? That's why I'm going to get a group of people together, mm -hmm. nut it all out, pay for it all, so then we can don't have to repeat the expenses over and over, and just do the the the, the other bit at the end. Fantastic, big Kev is here. He's excited. Awesome. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hello, big Kev. <laughs> My name's Big Kev and I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Cool stuff, guys. Beautiful. Okay. Well, yeah, look, there's a lot involved with it. So we'll get into everything that's involved around how to set things up, uh, setting up trusts, companies, structures, whatever you so need how, to do. How long have we got? How long have we got? Well, we've got about 15 minutes left just Great. in this session. Well, what I was going to do is I was going to share my Google. Okay. For a bit of a laugh and show you what happens when you Google George Markoski. Okay. You're going to share you your Google. Because if you type in George Markoski, I don't know if everyone's done this. Uh, look at this, George Michael, George Clooney. They're a lot more famous than me. And then as soon as I put M-A-R, there I am, George Markoski author. So if I finish this, look at the first, the first thing that comes up. George Makoski wife. And then George Makoski reviews, George Makoski net worth, George Makoski. Click on George Makoski wife. I want to see what comes up. Okay. Let's have a look. There I am. Puppy. <laughs> so what here? George Makoski surprises wife with a puppy. puppy. Again, with a puppy. The big proposal. Surprise my wife with a car. Meet George Markowski. That's pretty how awesome. How to the real life Monopoly man. <laughs> this is, uh, awesome. So what's this? How to buy investment properties in real life. Here we go. Then we got this investor, smart property investment. Christina gets a lot of surprises. I certainly do, but I got George Mack just recently. I surprised him with a 50th birthday party, which was amazing. So I hired the best boat in Adelaide, a 58-foot yacht. We got the Oyster Bar to cater it, and I got all of his friends and family together, and we all surprised him on the boat, and we had a big party. It was amazing, a lot of fun. So he surprises me, but I surprise him back. <laughs> okay. My wife. Ask me the questions. Podcast, five steps to invest in property. My net worth. What am I worth? I'm very curious. I'm curious too. <laughs> Let's have a look. $300,000. Wow. Jeez, not a lot. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh. I don't know. Whoever wrote that net worth has got it wrong. I mean, I made a million dollars <laughs> last year just out of passive income. So 
That that might have been about 50 years ago, your net worth. Good cost of net worth. Oh, you're only 51, so that'd have to be at least 40 years ago. Okay. This one says I'm worth 700,000. Okay, there we go. We're getting there. Getting higher. Adelaide Property Guru. Pretty cool. They're calling the Property Guru there. Should never do anything without getting the right info first. Yes, absolutely. That's what we're here to do. Look, we're here to get educated at the end of the day. That's why we put on these Facebook live sessions. That's why we've got our community, our group of like-minded investors. You know, we've all got the same goals in life. We want to create a passive income through property. And it's just about getting educated because the more you get educated, the more we can empower you, the more successful we're all going to be. And you're going to get that education and be able to take it and turn it into passive income, get your goals in life. Aha. Uh-huh. So when you type in George McCoskey Net Worth, guess who comes up? Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, because we've recently done an event with Robert Kiyosaki, Mr. Kiyosaki himself. He loves George. He loves talking property. Yep, exactly. So I thought that would be interesting. by the best. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Now. I've got a new announcement as well. What's your announcement? Audiobook. Woohoo! We've been waiting for this. It's been the long awaited audiobook, Freedom Through Property, bestseller. Amazing stuff. Audible. No, can't find it. Need to talk to my team and find out where it is. We've almost got an audiobook. So we have, we have. Stand by for magic. We've got the um, book, but not the audio book. I don't know why. We just need to get the links all sorted. Okay, what's this here? What does this say here? We definitely got it up there on Amazon. No, just Kindle and paperback. Oh, well, there we go. I'll stop sharing, but there you go. But the audio book, I'd like to get a link to it. If my team give me a link, that'd be great. How long does it normally take to get a property with you? Look, it really depends on your situation because I don't know where you're at, if you need to save up a deposit, if you've got equity, if you're ready to go, if you've got pre-approval in place. There's a lot of nuances here. So the best thing to do would be to connect with my team and have a chat to someone who can actually see where you're at and then help you get on to the next step. Why do you, um, if you type in hashtag wealth call, uh, one of our team will see that and they'll give you a link. Absolutely. You need to have a chat with someone, a one-on-one chat with a property coach to explain your situation, where you're at individually, and then they'll be able to guide you with how quickly you can get your first investment property, which is yeah. very exciting. The point is, I suppose, um, you don't want to be too much rush when getting property. You want to make sure you get it right. My philosophy is take your time, get your numbers right, make sure you're comfortable, and then do it. A lot of people, Absolutely, but you've got to get FOMO. And get that momentum. Yeah, a lot of people get FOMO and they jump in too fast just because they've been, you know, not doing it for long enough, but they need to just take your time to do it right. It's not about... They, they go, wow, I did nothing for the past 10, 15 years where I should have been buying at least one property every year, and now they're like, crap, oh, my God, I, I need to buy property, and they're desperate, so they want to get, like, five in one year to make up for what they didn't do, but I'm like, okay, let's just take one step at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day. No, exactly. It wasn't. And that's the whole point. You've got to start with one and go from there. Exactly. You've got to walk before you can run. Yep, you do. So Adrian should be joining us in about one minute. Oh, fantastic. So he's going to jump on for the last uh, eight minutes of the, the Facebook yeah, just a quick hello, have a bit of a chat about what's happening because there's a, a new law coming out when it comes to trusts. Oh, do you know anything about this new law? That's why I asked Adrian to come on. To explain That's why to we're going to get Adrian to tell us about it because he knows all about it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Is it going to be good or bad? It's probably going to be they're, they're tightening there up. We go. We've got Adrian here right now. I'm going to get him on board. And look at this, there's three of us. Hi, Hi Adrian. Adrian. Welcome, welcome hey guys, to tonight's session. Thank you for having me along, guys. Pleased to be pleased to be um, on your show again. Excellent. Well, welcome now, back. <laughs> now, Adrian. So, yep. Sorry, well, I saw this thing recently where the government is attacking trusts again for mums and dads investors. 
Yep. And I just wanted to get a little bit of clarity for our group and what's happening there. Yeah, so um, the ATO has hated trusts for decades. And the reason is, is because um, you can save, uh, you can legitimately save large amounts of tax using using trusts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, people use trusts for asset protection. They use them to, to, to save tax. Um, and, um, and, and that is envisaged by the Tax Act. And you're meant to be able to do this. So, mm. so with a discretionary trust, what you're able to do is uh, instead of like, I hold something for you and it's definitely yours, a discretionary trust, I get to pick who I send income to every year. And so I can pick who has the lowest income um, and, and therefore tax rates and send the money to them. So I can, um, by making that choice every year, I can um, uh, reduce my tax but it's really the only way you can do that is actually if you have like a business or you have a passive asset like property. So you can't do it like if you're just a PAYG earner, if you're on a salary, yep. it's stuck, stuck on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. And and I suppose, look, being a pay, PAYG puts you in a position where, you know, it's very hard to get tax deductions, almost impossible unless you're really losing money in real life. And that's part of the reason you know, Robert Kiyosaki and I have joined force to show people how the rich do it by actually losing money on paper, not in real life. Because Robert Kiyosaki recently came on and said, hey, I want to ban negative gearing in Australia. And then Channel 9 interviewed me the other day and said, George, you want to ban negative gearing? And I said, well, not, we don't want to ban negative gearing. We want to ban people using it the wrong way and losing money. What we want yeah. to do is use the right way because negative gearing is a very powerful tool. But if you don't know what you're doing, all we're doing is losing money. Two-thirds of Australians that invest in property lose money every week. And that's yep. because they don't know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so uh, as a tax lawyer, what I do is I help people um, save money. Now, mm -hmm. um, and uh, or have or fix disputes with the tax office. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the people, and I, I've saved people from tens of thousands to like tens of millions of dollars worth of tax. Um, and uh, now, uh, almost none of my clients are on a salary. You, uh, yep. People say to me, oh, look, I'm on a salary. What can I do? I'm like, look, I'm a tax lawyer. I know a lot about tax. Nothing. You know, just you, you, you're stuffed. Um, you can maybe claim $300 in a laundry deduction, you know, maybe some self-education <laughs> expenses. Um, you've got to have something like property. You've got to have, you know, your own business. You, you've got, uh, you know, if you're doing something, you know, economically really valuable like that, um, and then and separate to you just running a job, just having a job, then there's all sorts of cool stuff you can do. You know, we can use trust. Yes. Yeah, we can use trust. We can use companies. We can use negative gearing. We can, like, and this isn't even just touching touching the surface. Absolutely. So, Adrian, what you're saying is, if you look at the cash flow quadrant, we've got E for employee, S for self-employed, B for business owner, I for investor. And if you're in that E category, what you need to do is get some property investment in the I category, and then suddenly you're getting I category tax deductions instead of the measly tax deductions you get as an E because the E category tax deductions are really the crumbs that fall off the table, right? And that's the yeah. problem. That's all they are, little crumbs here and there that don't make any difference. But what you want really is to get on that table and eat the other investors and business owners and get the big tax deductions. And that's what all the loopholes and uh, things yeah. are being made. So people call them loopholes. They're more like legitimate reasons, like with legitimate designs of the tax, uh, tax system. For example, if you sell property, uh, an investment property, you know, um, and you've held it for more than twelve months. You get, um, you know, that that income, that gain is reduced by fifty percent. Now, yeah. that's um, that's Division One One Five. It specifically gives you that exemption. Now, is that a loophole? It's like no, you're meant to have that. Yes. You know, or, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you sell a business, you can. Um, there are small business CGT concessions that can reduce your income, like your profits by, like your gain by a further. 50% or contribute to super and it gets removed uh, entirely. You know, if you had it for more than 15 years, you can pay no tax whatsoever. Now that's, that's not like in a way that's a loophole in a way that's like it, the parliament intended for you not to pay tax in that scenario. Um, exactly. And look, they're, they're there for a reason. They're, they're, they're there to encourage you to do certain things. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
for example, negative gearing is there to encourage and supply housing. We actually got a housing shortage, massive one, and it's going to get worse. And basically, negative gearing is there to make sure that over the next 40 years, when we're getting another 13 million people that are going to be of added, added to our population, they've got somewhere to live. Yeah, totally. So, um, uh, and, and um, negative gearing is actually a tax fairness thing. So um, if you're making a loss, like, um, so if you're running a business and, and you're making a loss on that business, you can offset that against profits in a different business. You know, one of the things that we're looking at with, with the, the trusts is about like um, distributing income from one entity to another. And so you're and so it's moving it around from like a trust to a company, trust to another trust, trust to an individual. And so you're offsetting profits some, somewhere against losses somewhere else or, 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 or lower or less profits or lower tax rates somewhere else. Uh, and so being, being, being able to move things around and, and offset them is actually a fundamental part of our tax system. And that's how negative gearing works. It's about you're making a loss on, on one part of your income and you're off, um, offsetting it. Now, you can't actually do that with all, like if you're running a big business, you can, and your business, and your business is making a loss, you can offset that against your income. But actually, if you're running a small business, um, it can actually be difficult. So just say you started up a, um, you, you know, you're talking about the cash flow quadrant and we have um, employees that are self-employed. Um, so someone who's self-employed, you know, they're running a, you know, a coffee shop um, you know, or a gardening business and they're making a loss. Um, you know, it's a, it's a side hustle and there's a loss against their employment income. They may, you, you may not be able to deduct that. Um, so you might, you, uh, unless you've got, you know, um, either a large amount of capital involved, you make profits in three out of five years, you know, um, um, you've got sufficient turnover, more than $100,000 turnover. Um, so there's, um, you know, a lot of plant and equipment involved. So there's rules for like non-commercial businesses, whereas there aren't those rules for, for negative gearing. No, and look, the other, the other thing is there's a lot of people talking about Bitcoin. And the thing is, a lot of people don't realise that about the tax implications of Bitcoin are very different to property. So we've got members, you know, members of our program this year that have bought property and they've made $100,000, dollars $300,000. And even though they've made that money, because we're depreciating, we're actually made a loss on their income, even though they've made two or three hundred grand in um, equity. Now, but if you did that in Bitcoin, and let's say you made 200 grand in Bitcoin over the last six months, how would that affect you? It'd be very different, wouldn't it? So, so one of the problems is that um, with cryptocurrency, um, people very rarely buy and hold. Most mm. people who own crypto are constantly trading it. They yeah. buy, sell, buy, sell. And so what that means is that they are disposing of their assets, even though they've got you know a constant amount of crypto, maybe they sell their... Bitcoin and they buy Ethereum or they buy Dogecoin, they buy, you know, Doge Mooncoin or like, like uh, um, the, uh, they're, they're buying and, and, and selling things means that there's a disposal. And what happens where, where I've seen a number of uh, people um, have difficulty is they, you know, they're buying Bitcoin, uh, they trade, they sell it, you know, when it's at so like $80,000, they get $80,000, they invest in some other crypto. Now, they've just made a huge capital gain from, say, like $20,000 to $80,000. That's great. Uh, but then, then they buy Ethereum, say, and then that Ethereum goes down from $80,000 to $20,000. You go, wait a second, you know, you started at 20, went up to 80, back down to 20. It's all even. Well, actually, from, ta from a tax perspective, you've made a $60,000 capital gain. And you have to pay tax wow. on that. Yeah, I was going to say that how, they have to pay tax on all the profit that they make, essentially. So no, no, but yeah. but they didn't make any money in real life. That's Doesn't right. matter. It's yeah. not the way the tax and you can't, is it? Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, and so, uh, particularly with like the big slide in Bitcoin, like uh, and, and, and crypto this year, I'm really expecting a lot of people with with that with that problem. I've seen it mm -hmm. in past years. Um, I actually I have a, a um, so. I do a lot of work in, in crypto and I've um, just finished a big paper on this um, that in my view, crypto is not property. Um, and so I am, I actually think that the tax department is entirely taxing cryptocurrency wrong. Now, that's not for you to challenge unless you've just lost, you know, come up with a $200,000 tax debt. Like in that scenario, if you if you owe the tax office, you know, two, $500,000 or something, um, then 
I have a really good method for you to get out of that. If you if you go, well, I've just been hit with ten thousand dollars. It's not worth not worth fighting. Exactly. Um, if it's big enough, then it's worth fighting. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. but but for people, you know, but but um, um, there are lots of people who just are not complying. You know, and unless you've got heaps of money and you want and you've got a really 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 clever idea, you the tax office will roll you. You have to follow what they're saying, and it's, and it's with such a volatile asset. Um, you know, it goes up, goes down. Bam! You've just you've just credit you've just crystallized a, a huge gain um, and, and a whole bunch of problems for yourself. Actually, I'm I'm curious about this. I'm wondering. If well, guys, we... I'm going to head on over to our private shirt session. Okay. We'll um, see you there in a minute. You'll be joining us very shortly. Yeah, uh, lovely right. to see you, Adrian. I'll see you in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you, see she's see tough, isn't she? She's yeah. See you later. Um, I was thinking about actually accepting Bitcoin mm-hmm. for our program. So I'm wondering how that would work. If anyone's listening, type in the chat if you'd like to buy something like this on Bitcoin. I'm very curious about that to see, uh, you know, if anyone, if it's worth setting up or not. So if someone says that. Now, what we're doing is uh, we're for, in about three minutes, we're going to be going into our inner circle. Mm-hmm. This is our paid membership. And this is where we're going to go into the nitty gritty and explain the new tax rules and what's been happening with the new trusts and how the government yep. um, wants to, what they want to do, and how how we're going to find our way around it legally. Yeah, and that's the whole point, yep. and that's why we've got you on board, Adrian, yep. because you're a genius when it comes to that. You're brilliant, and yep. um, also I was explaining to everyone that we're launching a new asset protection program later mm-hmm. in this year, because there's a lot of people out there doing asset protection that have got it wrong. And Absolutely. There's one company in particular that's selling their program for ten thousand two hundred. Yep. They're saying it's the complete yep. thing. And people have bought this thinking they're safe, but they've missed the last two steps. So they've done all the first few steps. They've missed the last two, the most important ones, as you and I know, which we're going to explain next. And then what's happened, there were a few people that thought they were bulletproof, and now they've lost everything. Yeah. Completely. It's really, it's really unfortunate. Um, um, so... I you know, help lots of people both at that asset protection stage, but also when these structures are coming under attack and um, and um, and the thing that you're talking about and that we can talk more about in the, in the SHERP session is, um, you know, I, I really struggle to think that it um, would stand up to rigorous attack. Um, that's right. Forward. And the thing is, if you want someone to protect you, have someone that's actually been in the trenches and fought this war. Like yourself, Adrian, you've done this. You've fought this war a few times, number of times, and you know how they attack and how to counter. But people that just do this, they go on the internet and go, "Oh, this is how you do asset protection. We're going to solve this program." But they don't actually know how to do it themselves. They've never been in the trenches. If someone that doesn't actually have the runs on the board in real life, you shouldn't be taking their advice. No, uh, and. Um... Uh, particularly when someone uh, comes up with some kind of uh, strange trust law, you know, I'm a, I'm a, tr- a specialist in tax and trust and technology, and uh, and so when when I see someone say, you know, if you, I look on the internet, and now t- um, t- to me, when someone says something that's legally dubious, it's like, well, it's really obvious to me. But what's really dangerous is that when you know, um, un- like unless you're a specialist in trusts, something sounds cool. Uh, and so unless you're working with, you know, um, uh, people that you know and you can trust and, and you know, like, know what they're doing, um, it's really sad when we get people led, led astray. Um, I'm actually um, uh, dealing with some matters at the moment that involve, um, you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of, of defrauding of people um, who have been sucked into bogus asset protection. Really? Um, n- not only did they, um, not only where they sold an asset protection product that didn't work, but the people who did it um, are using it as an opportunity to steal from them. Wow, wow, that's terrible. Yeah. Right, so, yeah, so you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to be careful. I think really at the end of the day, whenever you're looking for a professional to do anything for you, make sure they've actually done it themselves in real life, they've got the runs of the board, they've helped other people. You need to do your research, definitely. And that's why we've got Adrian, because I've known Adrian for a long time, He's done a lot of work on a lot of our members and everyone's been very happy and you've kicked ass, so it's been good. Thank you, George. Excellent. Now, we've got we've got our members waiting on our next program. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate all. Remember, every Thursday we're here live. I'm excited. Next Thursday we've got a great show for you, so thanks for watching and like, share, comment. See you next week.
Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for all our listeners around the world. If you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful and please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, we have a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income. I've become incredibly successful in investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy and it takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand the information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisor has actually achieved the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth, live the life you desire, provide all the things you dream of for you and your family. Thank you.